Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. I'm not going to take guns away from the police. They are confronted with people who are criminals who have guns. We can play these silly conversations, but we can do exactly what Scott Stringer stated. I know what people are concerned about on the ground because I'm on the ground. He calls himself a reformer, but he's been investigated for corruption at every stage, city, state, even Barack Obama's Federal Department of Justice. And good evening, everyone. This is special coverage of the New York City leading contenders debate in the mayoral race. This is WINS, WNEWHD3, New York. I'm 1010 Winds reporter Juliet Papa. Good evening, everyone. I'm joined here by 1010 Winds host of The Bottom Line on small business and former Small Business Services Commissioner Rob Walsh under Mayor Michael Bloomberg, and he's been involved in New York City politics for many years. Also joining us, a longtime political analyst who's been with us on our in-depth podcast, welcome Hank Scheinkoff. We're also live on the 1010 Winds Facebook page, and we'll be live after we sign off on 1010 Winds Radio in about 15 minutes. So please join us back on Facebook as well for our continuing conversation. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? Well, and Hank, how are you doing tonight? All right. I don't know if we have him up yet. Is Hank there? All right. We're going to get to him in a minute. But Rob, uh, that was a quick moving debate. I think uh, these were like bullet points, actually. Uh, is there anything in particular well, that stood out to you as either controversial or something that was making and breaking news tonight where these candidates stood? I think there was two things that I, I picked up really quickly. Um, Andrew Yang um, and many of the others quickly going after Eric Adams on the issue of residency right out of right out of the box. Right. You know, people, you know, going after uh, what has been said in many polls, the front runner, Eric Adams. And I, th- I thought Eric Adams uh, remained poised uh, through that first line of questioning. And the other piece that I found was Scott Stringer, his attacks on Maya Wiley for the progressive flank. So I, I saw two flanks going on. I saw the Yang Adams and I saw the uh, Wiley Stringer uh, flanks of the Democratic uh, primary. Well, and do you think they're doing that because of ranked choice voting? I mean, you and I were talking as the debate was going on, because uh, I also thought, you know, why is it interesting that Catherine Garcia was being sort of very empathetic 
with Maya Wiley. Why do you suppose that is? Well, they, they served in the, the same administration, let's face it, right? They were both in the de Blasio administration and there were strong, powerful women in the de Blasio administration during that time. I also think that there is a flank of women voters. We have not had a woman as mayor in, in the past. I think a lot of people are thinking about, okay, so who would be an acceptable number two in, in ranked voting? Oh, so I I I, th I I think there's some perhaps behind the scenes activity that might be taking place there. Right. So they're jockeying for position in a way. Hank Scheinkoff is joining us now this evening. Thank you, Hank. Uh, what stood out to you, uh, either uh, issue wise or candidate wise, in this debate? Shrill Yang trying to make sure that Adams loses his front runner status and unsuccessful, and uh, Maya Wiley trying to stay in the game, be the progressive candidate, and feminize the race. It didn't work in either case. Yang didn't work, and frankly, Maya Wiley didn't work out well either. How, how do you think Eric? How do you think Eric Adams did? I, I I think he was really focusing very much on his time as a police officer. Do you think that's wide enough platform for him? Yes, crime is a big and one of the big issues of the race, but uh, uh, his record as a police officer is that enough to get him over? Well, certainly, Juliet. You've covered New York City for a long time. Rob's lived here, and I've been involved in politics here for quite some time. Very simply, we know in New York that something insane happens in every mayoral race that turns the thing over. By the way, the shooting last week in Edgemere of that young young child, disgraceful, despicable, and awful, that's the thing that's going to turn this race on its ear. Why? Adams is the guy who's talked about crime clearly. Trying to take that away from him is very difficult for Yang. That's why he went after him on crime record. And, try, and for Maya Wiley to try to say, well, there's other ways to take care of the problem is just not going to work. It's just not going to happen. And that's the that's the problem they all face. They're really jockeying for second, third and fourth positions here, whereas Adams and uh, and Yang were fighting out for first position. And frankly, mm -hmm. Adams bested that argument because Yang could not do anything to move him off his positioning. Adams was a supremely disciplined, extraordinary, uh, extraordinary job. I, thought, I would agree. He was very poised throughout. And I and I thought that attacks would be greater. You know, I, I wonder, Hank and Juliet, what you thought about, you know, early on in the day where there was some talk that Ad Adams was going to be a no show. Well, he wasn't. He first he said he wasn't attending and then he changed his mind. So uh, I think he was going to have to answer to these candidates who were probably going to attack him and he wasn't going to be able to respond. What do you think, Hank? I think that Adams smartly showed. Had he not showed, there would have been credibility and credence to the argument that he really didn't live where he lived. The other issues that have been raised against him, you know, look tactically as a campaign pro that this was not supposed to happen this way, i.e. they were going to hit him next week, like Wednesday, where he couldn't respond because this was a planned attack, all these negatives on him. But they had to move a week early because of that shooting in Queens. And they saw what was happening. The top, the front runner gang had collapsed. Therefore, they did it this way. And Adams had to have that poise and he had to show up in order to be successful. Had he not showed up, credibility would have been given to the charges labeled, lodged against him. Mm -hmm. How do you think, you know, let's moving on to some of these other issues, uh, relationship with the governor. Uh, what do you think any of these candidates would be able to do? Uh, Stringer attacked Andrew Yang and saying you're having a kumbaya moment here, thinking, you know, everything is going to be hunky dory. He called, he called him naive. <laughs> right. He said he, said he was naive about it. Yeah. So uh, is there a way to live peaceably with Andrew Cuomo? Very hard to live peaceably for any mayor with any governor. Mike Bloomberg did it because he just did, went and did what he wanted to do. But, you know, we're not paying attention to something very important. That's not, you know, just these people were not. And the questioners did not. 
the city is likely to go into the worst fiscal crisis it's had since the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. This will make 75 look like a joke, 1975. The really? governor will be very, oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Even absolutely. with federal money coming That's in. going to dry up. The Republicans take back the House. This, this game is going to come to conclusion very quick. The point of the story is the governor becomes critical to the mayor because if we get into that kind of hole, then we're going to be there. The governor and the mayor have to work it out one way or the other. In 75, it didn't. And you remember, I mean, all of you, we were alive. Kerry took over the city effectively. Right. So how would you advise a candidate or the next mayor? How do you get along uh, with the governor and what do you do to work it out together? Find out what the governor wants done and do it. The governor <laughs> has the power in New York State. People forget that the state constitution calls him, I believe, his excellency. He controls the criminal justice system. He controls the courts. It's all under his purview. Don't make an enemy you don't want to have a fight with. I, I thought I thought Stringer was the strongest in in responding to that question. Oh, because of what? Because well, he responded directly to Yang. Well, no, he, he said, "Look, we we got to start playing, you know, chess, not checkers. Uh, we got to reset." I've been in Albany. I know what it's all about. You need other players involved. It's not just the governor; it's the other, you know, leadership involved. All right. And now as far as quality of life, you know, this came up, I think, with the marijuana smoke question. And uh, quite frankly, we've had experience with that in the building where I live. And uh, people say they smell marijuana smoke on the street. Uh, how serious of an issue do you think this is going to be? And how do you either regulate that or enforce something like that? And what what does a mayor do? Well, what does a mayor do? <laughs> Nobody's had to deal with a question before because we've never had legalized the marijuana. Right. So, you know, how do you keep it away from children who shouldn't be smoking marijuana? The larger question was, how do you not arrest black and Latin people who are used disproportionately for using and selling marijuana? I mean, that that's really where this comes down to. And if you're going to have marijuana legalized and you're going to have marijuana sold, how do you make sure that enough minority people have access to those businesses, those licenses and those uh, opportunities to make money? Those are the two questions. As to policing it, well, you know, look, we're going to have to adjust to it. Why? Because nobody knows what to do. Right, right. So how do you have peace in the land, on the street, or in your building? Is that going to be, just say, up to the jurisdiction of the individual building? Well, co-op boards will tell you not to smoke in your apartments. With smoke in your apartments, you lose your, you lose your ground lease, or portion thereof. I mean, uh, it's not ground lease. You lose your shares, or portion thereof. I mean, those rules that we can put, that can be put in place, there, you can put in place uh, uh, local laws that uh, prohibit uh, bothering other people. That you can do. But we're going to have to figure out a way to live with marijuana because that's just where we're going. Yes. OK. And Rob, what do you think? I, I thought one of the uh, interesting points that came out uh, during that, and I would agree with Hank, we're going to have to figure out how to live with this. And I also think it's going to be you know, an issue which was uh, talked about in the other parts of the debate is the issue of culture and policing. And I, I thought, you know, in, in that case, many of the candidates punted. They talked about uh, 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 whole, you know, holistic approaches and reform. Right. I thought Yang was the only one of the candidates that talk, gave an example of an individual that was arrested eight times and is still back on the street, while others were talking about prevention and crisis management. He gave a particular right. incident. Right. And I think people relate to that because not only do they see it, you know, on the cover of the paper, 
but this is what they're afraid of. There was also a talk about, you know, Kendra's law, which exists. So I, I think it was Garcia and I commented to myself, I took notes here and it's, uh, I just said to myself, well, but these things are already in place. So it's not like she's introducing anything new to the discussion or the argument. I, you know, I thought Hank and I, uh, I thought they were going to get to the issue of what I hear on the streets and neighborhoods a lot is the issue of NYPD culture again and having the cops engaging, you know, and, and, and a lot of the individuals that I talk to in communities throughout the city talk about, you know, the police disengaging in this environment. Yeah, I'm going to play a cut with uh, Maya Wiley uh, talking about the Justin Wallace case and policing. Justin Wallace is not dead because we don't have enough police officers. He is dead because we have never in this city done the very thing that communities like in the Far Rockaways or Washington Heights or Mott Haven have been asking us for, which is trauma-informed care. What does that mean? Does anybody know what, what is trauma-enforced care? Right. You, get, you got me on that one, Julia. I, I will. I would say that uh, she's got a point. You know, there's been conflicts with the cops, um, but overall, uh, what we're learning is with less cops, the streets are not safe. We have lots of retirements. We have a police department that has that is completely demoralized. We have city council passing laws like the co diaphragm compression law, which is uh, absolutely silly, and we don't have uh, we don't have people who are thinking about the problem in a larger way and contextually. We got to give our cops what they need, and we also have to make sure that they're not trained, that they're not being asked to do things they're not trained to do, which is where the mental health issues come from. We have lots of people who have, who have a chemical dependent, chemical uh, imbalances and other kinds of problems. We're not dealing with them effectively. And we're asking police officers to be psychiatrists. They're not psychiatrists. They're police officers, really. Right. But they do want these uh, social workers to go out with police. I think there are pilot programs now that are mm -hmm. doing that. Uh, and violence interrupters in communities, although I've asked Mayor de Blasio this several times, is there any sort of comp stat on that? Is there any way to measure productivity on how that works? And uh, he tells me, yes, Queensbridge House is very effective in mm -hmm. doing that. But I've, I, I want to see the data on that. Uh, so is it still an issue of over policing or is it the way the police are policing? Because Eric Adams sort of seemed to make that distinction. Well, interesting thing about something he said is he talked about his experience in, as a police officer and a subway train at night. And the decision he had to make was whether to use his weapon or to use his brains and to try to and to keep make sure that no civilians, people not engaged, would be injured. He made what he thought was the right decision, which was a dangerous one for him. Um, police officers have to make those decisions on a daily basis. We ought to be empowering them and training them on how to make those right decisions. And if that's a criticism, well, that's a reasonable one. But the attacks on cops overall, just to get, try to get the progressive left in place and create that kind of coalition are just uh, the present moment, um, not not very helpful, nor very realistic. Now, this was an interesting question. Uh, should there, the police guns be taken away? Here is an answer from uh, Catherine Garcia. I'm not going to take guns away from the police. They are confronted with people who are criminals who have guns. Uh, and that is why my focus is making sure that we get guns out of the hands of criminals so we don't lose any more children. The last thing any parent wants to find out is that their child has been killed by random gun violence. All right. So, Rob, uh, I, is I this a, it, a legitimate it, issue? Yeah, I thought it was. A, right. I thought it was a reasonable answer on hers. I thought the, the I thought, again, Adams, uh, you know, 
uh, hit it home where he said, it is not the issue about carrying guns. It's about the training behind it. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and I thought he made the case. Um, I think anybody who was going to say that we were going to be taking guns out of the hands of police in this environment would be political suicide. Right. Also, uh, who gave the answer that said, well, the criminals have guns. So, you know, if the police don't have guns, how do we counter the criminals who have guns? And right now, shootings and and guns, you know, more than ever. Could could you imagine the the headlines uh, tomorrow, Hank and and Juliet, about, you know, any any of them that said, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to take guns away. Right. Yeah, it's a kind of an, an idiotic thing to do and even think about well, to take police officers weapons away, because uh, the truth is that the people who do crimes just don't work nine to five. So you say, well, you're you're working eight to four today, by the way, that's your shift. And you can have your gun between eight to four. The problem is the bad guys are around after four o'clock in the afternoon and they really want to do harm to people and they want to do harm to cops. Taking their guns away uh, off duty is fairly ridiculous in a city where and a, and a country where guns where there are more guns than people. Now, uh, Garcia came under attack for, uh, from a, a state controller's report that the streets weren't really as clean as uh, she may claim to be. First of all, do you find that that's the case? And uh, I think there was another issue. Who, who else came under attack? Oh, and uh, Stringer, I believe, was coming under attack for taking shots at Garcia with certain investigations. Is all that fair game? And uh, is that legit? Let's let's take the first one first. Uh, the streets are visibly dirtier across the board. Uh, graffiti at the entryways, you know, of, of, of airports, you know, from from the from the gateways, if you will, into New York. Uh, there have been reports that Garcia was angry about the mayor cutting the sanitation budget. Mm-hmm. I have talked to heads of business improvement districts throughout the city. They they see it. We see it. I mean, how how could you say different? So does this go then to her record or her claims? You know, I'm the food czar and I was the NYCHA czar and I was the lead paint czar and, in you know, sanitation. Well, she was the go to on many things. Look, I worked with her during Hurricane Sandy. You know, she has done she did a very good job. And, you know, in the case of Mayor de Blasio, you know, she was the person that they put up front during crisis. Okay. Thank you, Rob Walsh. Thank you, Han Chang-Kong, for joining us. Special debate coverage here on 1010 Wins. Thank you to our Wins listeners. We're about to go back to Lane Bajardi, Sonia Rincon, and Darius Razius to bring you more on the debate and all the other news of the day. If you'd like to hear more of our analysis in this conversation, join us now on the 1010 Wins Facebook page, and you'll be able to hear the entire show and the entire debate on our website 1010wins.com. I'm Juliet Papa. Thank you for listening. All right. And we're continuing right now on our Facebook page. I'm joined by Rob Walsh, Hank Scheinkoff, our extraordinary consultants and uh, veteran uh, uh, political people continuing our conversation on this debate. A very tight debate, a very varied debate. Did you see a particular, you know, winner or loser? I hate to be that sort of trite, characterized that way, but sometimes people look for that. If somebody who clearly stood out in this debate or somebody who clearly lost points. Uh, Rob, your thoughts. I I wrote... um words above the different candidates under under adams i said poised under pressure 
I put under Yang is a word that I stole from Hank Shankoff, um, relatable. Um, and Garcia was not one word, but I had, uh, you know, trying to uh, show that she was the manager. Uh, Wiley, um, you know, calm and cool this time. Mm -hmm. um, and Stringer was channeling Ed Koch. Uh, and I, I thought he showed some command on a number of occasions. I, I, I thought he was the king of the one-liners. Yes. You know, very quick only, response. All, the only time I go to New Jersey is when I get lost. I mean, it's, it, you know, I, right. I was closing my eyes and I heard Ed Koch. Right. Exactly. Hank, what did you think? Who's I think Scott Stringer yeah. deserves to be, uh, to, to be, to be taken very seriously and to be uh, wished well because he did well. He looked the part. He was the public official. He was calm. He had rehearsed himself. That that role he's played is one he's played for a long time. He did it very well. Uh, Maya Wiley did not do well. Um, I would disagree. She uh, was completely uh, the agents of the city issue that is that has dogged her and will continue to dog her. It's a very serious allegation of corruption, and she did not answer it well. Uh, Yang looked absolutely um, out of control. He tried to get up. To, he tried to get on top of Adams and move him out of the way. Was completely incapable. Became very flustered. Um, um, Ms. Garcia was terrific, I thought, because she played her role. She's the manager. Yeah. Stringer is the mayor. He played his role. That's what he's defined. She's the manager. She played her role well. And Eric Adams is the fixer of crime problems, and he played that well. So who didn't play well was Maya Wiley. Yes, sadly, she did not do well at all. Yeah, is it was it Wiley's answer where she says, well, I gave the advice you know, to the mayor about, you know, agents of the city, but it was up to him to take it. I mean, does that just not fly? The corruption that was so endemic that it was reported uh, by reported by people in the media, certainly, and uh, was made quite public by Pre Parara, the U.S. attorney at the time, and Cy Vance, the this Manhattan district attorney, that went on to the Blasio administration with consultants, with lobbyists and others, and the movement of money uh, was just ridiculous and awful. And she gave an appropriate defense to the mayor that he used and that his people used so they would never have to testify. You know, not so good. Yeah, but, you know, there was no criminal liability. The feds investigated this and, you know, nothing came of it. It was, you know, the, the spirit rather than the letter of the law. So nothing comes of it. That's it. It's over. But, I, I, you know, I, I, it was her answer strong enough or do you say well you know i gave them advice and uh oh yeah he didn't take it you know don't you sort of make an argument like you're really bending the rules here i didn't i didn't hear that from her well the i think she wanted to say that she was his lawyer and that what that should stop at that but it, frankly when you're running for mayor that doesn't wash your responsibility uh Stringer, you know, he was faced with these allegations. He was confronted in a question tonight. And uh, what uh, what uh, what do you make of of how he answered that question? And is this really still going to continue to to hurt him in any way, despite his uh, very, I think, strong showing in this debate? He is. Um... You got to give the man a tremendous amount of credit for trying to manage the moment, which he did well. He could not answer the question the way it was directed at him. And when he took a shot at reporters saying that he was misquoted is among the dumb things that you don't do ever in public life, because that will come back to haunt you. But I think that despite that, we have to wish him well as he goes off. He may still uh, be in the uh, he could still win this thing theoretically. 
But this has become really a uh, kind of a Yang Adams race with Maya Wiley kind of doing her best to coalesce the left and uh, and, Kath- and and Ms. Garcia trying to make sure that she, frankly, gets her place in the sun for being a great manager. But the problem here is that mayoral races in New York are emotional events, and being a manager is not an emotional moment. But, but don't you think there's two flanks going on right now? It's the, well, Adams, Yang, and I'll throw Garcia in the mix on that, and the Wiley Stringer to the left. And given the endorsement of AOC for Wiley, she does get a little bit of a bump and some resources on that. And I thought there was a rationale for Stringer going after Wiley because that that is the base that he needs if he's going to have any kind of showing. And the Correct. same thing goes the, the same thing goes for that. Let's call it that moderate base of of Adams, Yang, and Garcia, all looking to vie for that. And and um, it's 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 interesting. I I was looking at if there were going to be some relationships, and we we were talking Juliet and I about the Garcia Wiley, you know, right. in terms of the ranking. And I I look back uh, at has there been a case where someone came in second on the first go around and wins a mayoral race. And I found one in Oakland. Really, the second, the second place person right. became the mayor. Right. Well, it's like it's like the Oscars. That's what they do. They do rank choice voting for best picture. So sometimes the surprise of the best picture is not necessarily maybe the most popular or what you think is going to win. It's a rank choice thing. So that's why the best picture is always like a surprise because it might not be what you think is the leading candidate. How do how do you think this is going to play out? Do you think there's going to be a clear winner? Uh, no. primary night? No. So you think this is going to go through ranked choice? Yes. They'll have to recount. And Hank, do you have confidence in the board of elections that they're going to do the right thing and do a good job? They'll be three weeks late. Probably it'll be awful. Ranked choice voting is a problem for New York. Why? Because, uh, you know, voting is habitual, it's ritualistic and it's learned. And when you disrupt that system, you really reduce turnouts. And there's research on ranked choice voting to indicate in San Francisco, for example, that black turnouts, turnouts by African-American voters were down by about three and a half percent with ranked choice voting. Why? It freaks people out. You're changing a very system that is very social and has those other components. It's not a good idea. All right. We're going to a listener question. Amy Wachtel, what happened to Morales and McGuire and how come they weren't up there on on the stage? My understanding is this depended on uh Campaign contributions uh, and also polling numbers and polling numbers. Right. Right. So uh, that's my understanding of how these five were selected. Well, Morales, McGuire, uh, let's throw Donovan in there also. Sean Donovan, who's been all over the airwaves. Right. 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 So he didn't make the cut. Are we missing anybody? (laughs) No, not lately. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so uh, that uh, that is why. Thank you, Amy Martell for that particular question. Um, The other issue was license plates on bikes. You know, bikes are proliferating. Bikes are e-bikes. I think Yang had a great answer. He says, you know, there really should be some sort of regulation on speed. Uh, How how does that play out? Uh, If you're going to have more bicycles on the streets, more bike lanes, faster vehicles, uh, the, the other candidates would not touch it. Uh, Yang said licensee by bikes, but the other candidates said 
This is an unnecessary intervention by NYPD and bureaucracy. And the other candidates said, no, it is a issue. It is an issue across the city. Right. Uh, these motorbikes, the speed of them, particularly uh, you have bike lanes and people crossing. I think we're going to see more incidents. And I think there's going to be there's going to be have to be some sort of regulation on this. Right. Do you think, Hank, that that's what's going to have to happen? You know, license and registration and insurance for, you know, two wheel vehicles. It's likely that we're going to have that. Uh, why? So much traffic, so much congestion and more confusion. And the problem is that when government sees these things, action has to take place. And it's likely that it'll be regulated in that fashion. Yeah. Uh, you know, I did want to go back. I'm sorry. Uh, I reinterrupted the conversation about the ranked choice voting. And you were saying that there were concerns people don't turn out. So three weeks into this, if there's no clear winner, do people start losing interest? Uh, do people sort of get disillusioned? Do they believe in the winner? What do you think is going to happen? Well, people don't believe in the mayor's office right now anyway. Part of the problem in this campaign is that the mayoral office has lost its majesty. And, why? Uh, because why? Well, eight years of the, the incumbent's not well regarded. Uh, the city has gone into complete disrepair. And the real issue that uh, social scientists would probably define uh, going on in New York City right now is an extreme case of disorder. And the mayor's uh, not part of it. I mean, people believe in New York underneath it all, if you're a lifelong New Yorker, that the mayor turns out the lights at night when you go to sleep and when in the morning when you wake up, he or she should turn them back on. That's how it works. We don't have that kind of mayor. We're looking for that kind of mayor. We want somebody who's going to lead the city. So both of you, who would be that mayor? Who would be that mayor? Out of these candidates, who, who would be that mayor that could take sort of that larger than life role? You don't have a taker. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not sure we have a candidate among among the five here, right? That is larger than life. I think uh, a number of these candidates are going to have to, quite frankly, grow into the position. Wow. I but I think in history of if you look back at um you know history of mayors, a beam wasn't larger than life. You could say Ed Koch was in many ways. Right. Uh, David Dinkins wasn't larger than life. Right. Oh, I would say yeah. Giuliani was, wouldn't you say? Uh, he would. Yeah. <laughs> he would, for sure. Right. He would, too. He would, too. He would tell you he was larger than life. Um, so, you, Hank, do you who do you think any of these candidates could step up and step in? Or, you know, Rob is saying grow into the job. But do we need somebody to grow in or we really need somebody to take to really take charge and, and be in command? We need someone to be in command quickly. We need someone who could be in command and make real budget decisions going forward because we're going to be facing a crisis. We need somebody who can look and say, look, we have union negotiations due. All the contracts expire in 2022. What's my plan? We need somebody who's going to have to look at public safety in a realistic fashion and come up with, a, with, with some kind of plan that satisfies the electorate and make sure that people are not getting shot while ensuring we maintain the best police force in the country, which is now at its lowest morale in quite some time. These are real issues. Someone who can take the social service issues and do something with them, i.e. homeless on the streets. It's not great. Mental, people who, are, who have a severe emotional problems walking around assaulting others, it's not great. Someone's got to take charge of this thing. And that's the kind of mayor we, we really want. The question is of these people who can do that. All right. So we're going to circle back to where this debate began with the residency question to Eric Adams. Let me just play uh, something from him. <laughs> Let's be clear. If you're on the ground, you know what people are asking about. I live in Brooklyn. I live in Bedford-Stuyvesant. 
I am happy to be there. It's a beautiful community. That's where I live. It's a humble place, but it's a blue collar place. I'm a blue collar candidate. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm proud of that. Now, you know, the mayor, de Blasio, remember, he was debating on whether to go live in Gracie Mansion. And this gentleman here is saying, I'm a blue collar candidate. You think he'll be moving into Gracie Mansion? Yes. And Hank, do you? It'd be the smart thing to do. Someone's got to restore majesty to the mayor's office. We haven't had it since Mike Bloomberg. We need it. We need to be able to look up to the mayor and say, that's the guy. That's the woman. He or she lives in Gracie Mansion. That's the place where mayors live. That's the police. This is the sanitation department. This is the other city agencies. We respect civil servants because we respect the mayor. We need to restore that kind of respect to our government. Eric Adams certainly can do it. Um, uh, uh, Garcia can certainly do it. I mean, Scott Stringer could do it because he's very, he's got the, he's got it down. You know, there are people who could really do this. We need someone like that. And you don't think this residency issue or questions about where he lives and where he spends his time is a problem? Him. He, he answered it. I think he handled it well. I mean, as a as somebody who's been in, uh, look, I've been in a lot of crises for a lot of clients. Uh, you know, he handled that crisis really well, and I think he did it. I think that he's really running his own campaign and doing a very good job at it. And if that's an exa- if that's the exemplar of how you run a city or how you run your administration, he's running a very good campaign. All right, just briefly, two-word answers from both of you. Here's a question from a listener, Congress Sabal. Homeless population is growing and more people are moving out of New York. Why? Hank. Expensive to live here. The homeless population is growing because we don't know what to do with people who have emotional problems, and there are many of them, and we don't have enough affordable housing. Okay, and Rob. I, I, I would agree with Hank. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're not moving uh, homeless and getting them the need and the care that they have. If you go on the subways these days, uh, you, you see the numbers in terms of people moving back uh, or moving out of New York. You know, I'm, I'm bullish about New York and I, th- I think it returns. All right. We'll see who that next mayor will be. He'll bring it back to that time. Thank you both gentlemen, Rob Walsh, Hank yeah. Scheinkoff for this great conversation and lightning round. And yeah. uh, thank you to all our listeners on 1010 Wins and our Facebook page. I'm Juliet Papa. Have a good night. Thank you. This is great. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.